Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, I tell you, it may be a holiday weekend, but you people have brought it today, man. I mean, that, that time together in worship and music was so strong that I think even our Baptist section over here kind of got a little excited on us this morning, huh? Just kidding, guys. No offense. Don't start throwing rocks now, okay? That's uh, it's not cool. Okay, so we are so glad to have you guys again, uh, as I mentioned earlier. And if you would, those handy outlines that I talked about, would you take those out right now? Uh, on one side is a place where you can find out how to take your next steps at Connections. This front section here that has all the neat blocks on it and the information has a great website, which is the hub of everything that happens here, uh, the way to register for things, the way to get involved, the way to find out what's going on, the way to find out how to take your next steps. So please make it a regular daily event to check the website out, connectionschurch.church. Now on the back side of it is what? A place to take some notes, to write things down. How many of you know that it's important to write things down so you don't what? Forget them. That is always important. And if you're here today, you're here on a great Sunday, which we think every Sunday is great. We are wrapping up our study called I Am. We've looked at some of the I Am statements that Jesus himself made, and we're going to look at one more today before we, or as we finish this study, but I want to tell you too, don't miss next weekend because we're going to kick off a brand new series called Living the Bold Life. Any of you have ever sat back and took it for far too long and kind of were squeamish in your life and, and never just asserted yourself and stepped out in the boldness that God provides for us then this, this study's for you. So don't miss it. Next week, kicking that off. Bring a friend. Bring a neighbor. Bring somebody you don't like. I know you guys don't have many of those people, but just in case you have anybody that you're not crazy about, invite them to church. You'll be surprised at what God can do through a simple invitation, and he might even help you like them, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's going to be pretty, pretty tall order there. Go ahead. Now, have you ever heard something in your life so shocking it kind of just stopped you in your tracks? I mean, you're, you're just kind of stunned. You don't know what to say, what to do. This, this statement we're going to take a look at, actually some of the statements found in John 14, verses 1 through 6, we're going to read in just a few moments, that Jesus makes to his first disciples contains some of those very types of statement. Now, this conversation that we're going to read here in just a moment happens on the last night before Jesus is crucified during the Passover meal that he shares with his closest friends and, and his first disciples. And before this, he had washed their feet. He had predicted he was going to be betrayed by Judas, one of his own disciples predicted his denials by Peter and told the disciples he would soon be going away in John chapter 13. And all of this prompted questions about where Jesus was going and why it was that they could not go with him. Now, if you are a parent in this room or listening right now, you know about those kinds of questions, don't you? My 11-year-old, every time I pick up my keys... I don't care where he is at, in the house or outside. It's like a radar goes off. Whoop! Dad's going somewhere. And he's going to yell at me, Dad! I'm like, doggone it. I'm just trying to sneak out to go to Walmart, pick up some bread and milk real quick, get back. But he knows when I'm going somewhere. And the next thing he's going to ask me is this, where are you going? He knows the rattle of the keys. And I'm like, son, I'm just going to run out real quick. We're out of this. i got to go pick it up, and I'll be right back. Before you can even blink an eye, it won't take me long. I want to go with you. 
How many of you just know as parents that slows down the process? So nowadays, I'll just kind of go in there and like sneak up on my keys, put some kind of cushion on it to keep the sound from rattling, quietly put them in my pocket. I've even WD'd the 40, the hinges on my back door. <laughs> Serious. Because he could hear the squeak. If I got the keys past him, it was like, dad. So here's Jesus with his disciples. The night before he's going to go be crucified and he's giving them some final instructions. And he says some powerful, life-changing things, not only for them, but for us as well. And it's going to prompt questions, right? We have questions. You walked into this room with some questions. Some of you had some questions for a long time. Some of you may have had some questions for 60 years, like my my buddy Tim here, whose birthday is today, 60 years old. Our bass player, Hunter's dad. Let's say happy birthday to this fine-looking young man. And as I approach 42, I'm telling you, 60 is... Okay, forgive me, Lord. Might have fudged that a little bit. We all have questions, and man, did they have some questions. But I want you to listen as we journey through the first six verses here in chapter 14 of John's Gospel, where Jesus starts out this way, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are what? Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare that place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Verse 4. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas asked him this question in verse 5. He said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And here it is, folks, in verse 6. Jesus said to him and to all of us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except what? Through me. There's so much to unpack in this final I am statement that we're going to look at. But I want to start with the love that Jesus has for every single one of us. The love that he shows here so clearly and so vividly and and personally. I mean, do you love to hang out with your your closest friends and family members around the table? You love to share a meal with them and just converse and and put the phones away and the devices and just just look at each other and listen to each other and share with each other and and grow closer together. Don't, Don't you enjoy that? Unfortunately, I think it's kind of a lost and dying art in our day and time, but, but this is where Jesus chose to do this with those 12 friends of his that he loved dearly, that he poured himself into for these three and a half years, and, and, and he gathered them at this table, and, and this is just uh, towards the end of his, his parting words to them, and he, and he shares with them these truths just before he's going to give his life for us. He tells of his great love to do this one thing, And it's the first thing on your outline, to give them comfort. I want you to grab a hold today that the ultimate comfort for them and us is Jesus. I mean, here, this kind of just blew my mind. Every time I read through that this past week and the last couple of weeks, every time I would study this, this one thing just kept bam, 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 hitting me right here in the chest. And that was this, that this man... God became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus, the one we're going to celebrate in just a few months, coming as the Christ child incarnate there in the little town of Bethlehem. He's the one that was about to give his life 
And yet, what is he doing the night before? He's loving and encouraging and comforting the disciples. Man, don't you love that? As a minister of the gospel for some 30 plus years now, I've had the amazing opportunity to be at a lot of people's bedside when they were just about to pass from this life to the next. I've had so many of those times, I can't even count them. And there's been a handful of times that I've been able to witness something amazing that just kind of blows your mind, and that is the person that is there just about to, to make that journey from here to there is giving comfort to those gathered around them. They're encouraging their family, don't cry. I'm, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about me. I'm going to be okay. We'll be together again, and, and I don't want to see anybody here sad, and, and it's going to be a joyful. I've just been amazed. And that's exactly what's pouring through in these pages here, in these words here. As John wrote them that Jesus, the one who is the ultimate comfort himself, is pouring himself into them and us. To love us and help us get through all of this that we deal with. I mean, the very first words in this passage, Jesus starts out by saying, let not your hearts be what? Be troubled. In this crazy world we live in right now, I don't know that there's ever been a time when more hearts were troubled, more minds were confused, more, more stress, more hurt, more confusion. More anger. I don't know of a time where we've had to dispense this much medication to try to hide the trouble. To try to get them through just another day or two. And here's what is so painful. Jesus, the cure for the troubled heart is always available for us. We don't have to run and seek another substance. We don't have to go after another answer. We don't have to try to find another healer. And that's exactly what he's saying here. Let not your heart be troubled. And you say, Pastor, that just sounds so simple. I didn't write it. <laughs> I'm just conveying it. Let not your hearts be troubled on the surface. That may not appear to be such a great blessing, but when you consider that at this moment, Jesus is on the eve of his death and is standing at the very shadow of Calvary, yet he takes the time to encourage his disciples. Wow. Folks, I'm telling you, that is love. Can you just write that in the margin under number one somewhere? That is tr true love. Just love unbelievably. Their hearts at this juncture were probably very troubled. They had pledged their lives to this guy. They had left behind businesses and family and, and homes and, and careers and everything else you want to put on that list to follow this man. And all of a sudden, he's talking about dying. All of a sudden, he's talking about it's going to be over. It's going to stop. It's going to change. There's going to be a, a great dynamic shift here, and, and you, you're not going to understand it, but I'm trying to help you to understand it. Man, were their hearts troubled. Along with that, they had just learned that one of them was going to betray Jesus. Another one was going to deny him at his most critical moments leading up to the crucifixion. 
So I think you would agree with me in saying that, yes, their hearts are very heavy with sorrow and burdened with grief and, and questions, just like many of ours are right now, both in this room and outside of this room, that may be listening. But even in the hour of his greatest trial, Jesus loved them incredibly, just like he does with you and me. And if you'll lock eyes with me for a moment, I want you to hear that again. Jesus loves every one of us incredibly, more than we could ever even think or comprehend or understand or grab a hold of. He loves us that much and then some, just like he did with these first disciples, and he was trying to comfort and help them in this time. It would be impossible to adequately discover every detail of this amazing chapter in one message, however, I would really love to help us see in this great chapter that Jesus addresses some very important areas of life and offers us hope in each one of them today. In the hour of his greatest need, he takes the time to encourage the hearts of his disciples and of every person who takes the time to discover for themselves Jesus, that great encourager. He tells us things like this, that there is hope for today, that today doesn't have to be just another number on the calendar that we try to struggle to get through, that today is a day of destiny, that today is a day that we were created for, and if we live and breathe tomorrow, then tomorrow is a day just like that as well, and every day that God gives us is a gift, and if we start seeing life like that, it's going to change things dramatically because he is our living hope in us, Christ Jesus. He tells us things like that, and he tells us there's hope for tomorrow because when we graduate from this dirt ball called earth, guess where we get to go? Oh, it's not a second earth. It's not a purgatory. It's not a holding spot. It's a place called heaven that he tells us about clearly right here, that he says, I'm going to prepare that place. And how many times I've preached this at a funeral, and man, the priest just comes up in you because when Jesus tells you he's going to do something you better know he will follow through. And when he says, I'm going to prepare that place for you, and if I go to prepare that place, then you better believe I am coming back again to get you to come to be where I'm at. Hope for today. Hope for tomorrow. See, what happens is, is with us is we get tunnel vision. We get locked into this little perspective, this little minute little dot of a, of a, of a focus that, that we just kind of get glued to. And, and it's not the whole picture. It's not even close. And, and Jesus is saying, would you look beyond this little dot to see everything? Everything that I have for you. See the hope for today. See the hope for tomorrow. See your heavenly home that's awaiting you. See what's going to be there and what's not going to be there. Pain. Sorrow, heartache, death. My wife wanted to go see a movie. That movie's called The Art of Racing in the Rain. If you like to feel good about things, do not go to that movie. We left there last night. She said, how'd you like it? I said, I hated it. What? It's so sad. I don't like to be sad. I know it's necessary at times, but I don't like it. That was an awful movie. And I'm just saying it out loud as we're walking through the theater. Would you keep your voice? I'm like, no, you asked me. I'm telling you. It was terrible. Here's her response. Well, I'll let you pick it next time. You know Sylvester Stallone's making one more. <laughs> okay, I'll stop right there. 
None of that stuff's going to be in heaven. No betrayal. No murder. Every day, we hear the same awful story. People killing, people shooting, people hurting each other. Folks, Jesus is painting this picture for them and for us of what we have in the here and now and what we have waiting for us when that day comes. I thank God today for Jesus, the great encourager. I'm so glad that when I don't understand what's going to happen, when it seems that everything is falling apart, I don't know which way to turn, I can count on Jesus. He is our comfort and our encouragement. And secondly, while giving this comfort, he makes some quite shocking and exclusive claims. Now, this is not a difficult passage to understand. I think anybody with any kind of sense about them can kind of grasp a hold of what he's saying here. Looking over this group, I'm fairly confident that everybody in here can do that. A couple of you I kind of worry about, but we'll, we'll slide that to the side for right now. But, but this is not easy. Okay, that, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. This is not hard to understand. It, it's hard to swallow, as they say, I think, is, is the challenge here. You, you get what I'm saying? This is, it sounds at first, first run like Jesus is saying that there's only one way to God. Right? You get that from reading that, from hearing what we just went over just a few moments ago. But, but let me tell you, when you take a deeper look and compare it to the original Greek language and, and all the, the early manuscripts and, 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 and the, the study Bibles that we have, you discover something amazing. And that is this. That is exactly what it's saying, right? No, no big surprise. I mean, there's no hidden meaning here. Jesus is making the most audacious claim any human being could ever make. He isn't saying, I am a way, a truth, a life. No. No, what he's saying here is that he is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, some people want to paint a picture of Jesus, just this really nice teacher. He did a a lot of good things. He preached a message of love and acceptance and grace and blah, 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 and on and on. But I don't know how you can say that he is just a good teacher if he claims to be the only way to God. You cannot do that. The two don't jive. They don't, they don't mesh up. So is he an egomaniac? Well, his life didn't appear to, to be the life of an egomaniac. He spent much of his time not only talking about serving others, but actually what? Serving others. Don't you love people that just put the action to the talk? And he is selfless, loving, and compassionate. So not an egomaniac. And some may have said through the years that he's deranged. Again, nothing else in his life appears that way. Although when Jesus claimed to be the gate and the good shepherd, some people went there right away and said, this man is out of his mind in John chapter 10, verse 20. But the next verse says that others said, well, he heals the sick with his touch. And the rest of his life doesn't show the life of a madman. Some may say that Jesus never said it. And the disciples perpetuated this lie in an effort to build something awesome for themselves. They lied about the words of Jesus to create this new movement in religion. But if that's the case, then why would they all die for a lie? People don't die for a lie. And yet, all of the disciples, except one, met their death for their faith. They died martyrs' deaths. So we're simply left with the realization 
like the people in John 14 with the decision. Jesus said these words, I am the way, the truth, the life. No person comes to the Father except through me. He audaciously states, I am the truth. And if you don't believe me, then you are the one who is wrong. It's you who needs to redirect the course of your life. Now, to a lot of people, that is shocking. That's an exclusive statement. It's like, are, are you kidding me? I thought this road would take me there. I thought this avenue would get me there. I thought this faith, this mantra, this chant, this belief system, this, this structure, this organization, this denomination, I thought I could get there this way. Nope. Plain and simple, Jesus is it. And let me tell you today, please, 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 do not be deceived as number three says there on your outline. He is the way, and very quickly, let me just go over how this plays out. As Jesus tells his disciples that he is the way, there are multiple meanings involved here, and I want to break those down. First off, he addresses our very human instinct to know where we're going before we start a journey. How many of you are like that? How many of you want to know the details, man? You pull out your phone, you find your GPS system, you get in your car, you punch it in. Some of you got them fancy new cars, I know you. Anybody got them fancy new cars that you don't even have to have a key for to be in an ignition switch and you just push a button and the key's got to be on you? We went and run some errands yesterday and was in my wife's fancy new car and it's got that key that I hate. It's got that thing too that tells you to stay in your lane, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm the kind of person who likes to explore all of my lane and a little bit of somebody else's. I mean, I just get a little comfortable and start just kind of maneuvering around a little bit. Beep, beep, beep. I'm like, I hate it. Well, you can turn it off. I don't even know how to turn the radio on. <laughs> and so yesterday, we drop her off. She's running to the office depot to get this banner made for the amazing race for Potter's House next week. And me and Devin are going to hang out in the car. We got Ruthie with us. It's a nice day. And we're in the car, and she starts heading in there. And she's got the key in her pocketbook. She gets halfway to the door. I'm sitting there, and this little thing starts going, beep, beep, beep. Key not detected. I'm like, No. I start laying on the horn, beep, beep, beep. She never hears me. Devin looks up and says, I think she's ignoring us. I said, she might be, bro. That's just the way she is sometimes, but I still love her. <laughs> you got these fancy cars where you can just program in in the dashboard there where you want to go, your GPS. Some of you are like that. We want to know where we're going. We want to know how to get there. Some of you tend to be like me and like, ah, we'll make it sometime. Let's just free will it. Let's just see where the road takes us, right? Any of you like that? Me and one other guy? Come on. You know it'd be a guy. Because you women always want to know exactly where we're going. You can't even figure out where you want to eat dinner. How you want to know where you're going? That's a story for another time. Let's move right on. Yeah, baby. Disciples asking Jesus, where are you going? How can we get there? He's saying, I'm going to prepare this place. You know where I'm going. You know the way. And they're like, we don't know the way. And Jesus says, I am your way. Jesus makes it clear that they or we won't know the defined way we are supposed to travel in life. We are instead tasked with simply knowing and trusting in Jesus daily and walking in faith that he is what, church? The way. I think, it, I think it, it starts with this confession right here. Look at me for a moment. With every one of us who belong to humanity confessing, I don't know the way, but I know he does. Now see, some of you are too stubborn to even admit that, right? Don't be. 
He alone is the way. We abide in him. We won't know a defined course, but guess what, church? We can rest in the comfort of faith that he will lead us exactly where we need to go as we walk in him who is the way. Stick with him. You'll never be lost. Secondly, the second meaning of that in John 10, 10, Jesus compared himself to the good shepherd. Pastor Scott opened up this series a few weeks ago by talking about this. He has brought out all his own, Jesus said in John 10. He goes on ahead of them, the sheep, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. You see, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them. Therefore, he said again, very truly I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters in through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. What's going on here for some of you that can't quite pick up on it is Jesus is comparing himself to a shepherd and us to his sheep. Sheep don't choose their own path to safety and protection, but they rely solely upon the shepherd to guard and care for them. In order to be safe, we have to trust the great shepherd who is Jesus and not wander off on our own. And then finally, the meaning to the way is he is making clear that he is the way to God the Father. And by extension, also to heaven. He says he goes to prepare that place for us. And this says that after we have completed the journey of this life, we will find ourselves in a place of rest where God the Father is. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. Now you may ask, what is truth and how can we know truth? And after Jesus has been arrested, he found himself standing before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea, and he had been accused of blasphemy, of stirring up the people in revolution. And it was rumored that he called himself a king and speaking to him, Pilate found no evidence of any crime worthy of death, but was fascinated by his talk of a kingdom that was not of this world in John 18, 36. Pushing back on the idea of whether this lowly carpenter from Galilee truly considered himself to be some kind of king, Jesus replies, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. You remember Jesus is the way, the so he says, I have been born, I have been manifested, I am God in flesh, I am God incarnate, I am here on this planet to be truth and to witness to bear witness to truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice, Jesus says. Man, these are some shocking claims here. But it's truth. Pilate's response comes in the form of the question and the same question that humanity has been asking for centuries, the same response to Jesus that keeps so many from the faith. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Pull my britches up for a minute on that one. What is truth? You ever pondered that? When you woke up in the middle of the night and you couldn't get back to sleep, you started thinking on the deep things instead of turning ESPN on and checking out what happened in the ball games last night. What is truth? You see, we've got to wrestle with that question and come to the conclusion for ourselves of exactly what truth is. Pilate 
wanted to know himself. What is truth? And Jesus answered this question in John 14. With the disciples, when he tells them, I am the truth. So if you're wondering what truth is, meet Jesus. <laughs> the truth. The real deal. He can testify to the truth and teach the truth because he himself is that truth. And some of you are saying, man, that just sounds so simple. I just can't really wrap my mind around it. I want it to be more complicated. I want it to be deeper, Pastor. I'm one of those deep-thinking people. Guess what? It's not. Sorry to boop, burst your bubble. Truth is Jesus. Jesus is truth. And until we can reconcile that deep in our hearts and grab a hold of that, and even if you're a place right now where you say, man, I'm still struggling with that, here's what I encourage you to do. I, I implore you to do this. Pray and ask Jesus to reveal himself. He is the truth to your heart, to your mind, and grab a hold of you with the truth that he is and just say, God, I need this in my life. More than I need the air that I breathe, I need to know without a shadow of a doubt in my heart of hearts that you are not only the way, but you are the truth as well. And so that means this, that every other contrary thing in this world is what? Is a lie. Hold on to the truth. Love the truth. Bear the truth who is Jesus in your life. Each of us is capable of knowing truth, but none of us can claim to actually be truth like Jesus. There are too many things that we don't know, too many things that we get wrong throughout our lives, yet Jesus is the truth, and in doing so, in claiming that he's the truth, he so claims to be one with God himself. And actually, the words of John chapter 1, verse 1, sets a stage for that very fact. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I love it, my Bible students over here, they know it. With God was God. In this one sentence, John is proclaiming Jesus as the Word. And the Word is what? Is the truth. This is the truth. This is Jesus. He is our truth. So we've got to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. Folks, we... Proclaim the anthem. I am who he says I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am his prize. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am the apple of his eye. I am an image bearer of God. I am his child. Sons and daughters of the most high God. But you know what? That's not the, what the world's going to tell you. World's gonna tell you you are nothing, you are useless, you are garbage, you have nothing, you can contribute nothing. They're gonna tell you lie after lie after lie. Why? Because it comes from the father of lies, Satan himself, who is out to steal, kill, and destroy. So the lies are gonna come and try to combat the truth of Jesus who is in you, who is with you, who owns you, who loves you, who gave himself for you, and says, if you'll believe in me, then you will deny every lie that comes your way and you'll hold to the truth. And then he says, he is the life. And this saying also draws us back to the shepherd analogy of John chapter 10, where it says, the thief comes to only what? Still kill and destroy. I have come that they may have, may have what? And have it what? Meager? Kind of a halfway life? Kind of just floating through? Kind of just existing? 
Now, my Bible says have it to the full or have it abundantly. Now, let me just stop and take a quick little poll here. How many of you would honestly assess your life these days? Say the last 30 days, the last 60 days. Would you take an assessment of your life in the last 60 days and say, you know what, Pastor, on a scale of 1 to 10, of 1 being just a meager existence, just barely scraping by, just trying to get myself out of bed every day and get the strength up to brush my teeth and put a halfway smile on my face and make it through another day, that being 1, and 10 being, praise God, I'm a child of the King, I'm living the good life, man, I've got it made in the shade with a glass of lemonade, come on, devil, you can't get me down. Abundant, full life. Where would you rank right in that little one to ten range? Because see, if, if, if we're not living that abundant life, we're, we're settling for something far short of what Jesus makes available. I don't know about you, but I hate to settle. Somebody came up to me after church and said, Pastor, guess what? I put a million dollars in your bank account. Friday, before the end of the business day, just deposited that million bucks in your account. It's there for you. No strings attached. It's all yours. How stupid would I be just to utilize $50,000 of that money over the next 10 years, 50 years? I got a good 60 years left in me, I think. How dumb would I be to just say, you know what? Thank you so much. That was awesome of you to do that. And I think I'm going to use $10,000 of that money. It's going to leave the rest right there. You know, I've never been a risk taker, but I got that little low-yielding interest rate account. When I'm dead and gone, that, that million dollars would probably be a million dollars and $3.37. So Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full, or the abundant life. Why? Because he is life, right? Who can give us that life but life itself? <laughs> that's, whew, that's good. This world can't give it. It promises full life, excitement. You don't believe it, just watch the commercials on your TV set. They promise the world. The only thing you get is an empty bank account and a heavy debt load trying to buy all that stuff that's supposed to make you live the good life. Here Jesus not only painted a picture of how he defends and leads his sheep, but he's also foreshadowing the life that we can live in and through him. So why do we still struggle and why do we endure pain and heartache? Why do we, we get so, so discouraged? Why do we get so down? Why do we live so far below what Jesus came to deliver? that makes sense to y'all because it really makes sense to me I've had people tell me pastor you haven't had a bad day have you I haven't had many I'm gonna tell you that there's been a few days I've let this old world get the best of me but then you know what I just get ticked off at myself for, for letting it I just get right back up and say no more and it's not this little fake motivational woo I'm gonna do good things no it's not that if you'll hear my heart for a moment, it is truly knowing that Jesus lives in me. And with him, I get the best life. You know, the hot quote now is living your best life, and that's about some kind of trappings and stuff that you're laying in a hot tub with your cold sun drop, you know, watching a movie screen in your backyard of your 
your nice $5 million home and whatever, and you're living your best life. That's, that's garbage. Living your best life is living in the sweet spot with Jesus. Is knowing that he lives in you, you live in him, you're living in purpose, in destiny, you're living in your calling, you're doing what God created you and put you here on this planet to do. Look at me, church. That's living your best life. That's living life to the full, the abundant life. Why? Because here's the point of it. You realize that this life is not the point. This life is not our ultimate goal and does not encompass the entirety of who we are. This life is a mere drop in the ocean of eternity, and it serves as the starting block on the marathon that leads to our ultimate goal of eternal life, church. Does that make sense? He is our life. Everything. Outside of him, there is no life. And I can tell you that from experience. Because I tried it that way before. <laughs> Woo, doggies, it didn't work. It was a mess. Listen, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And number four, there is no other road to God. Contrary to the popular deception of the day, all roads do not lead to God. Only one does, and that's Jesus. And that means that all other roads are simply dead ends. And as we march forward, that narrow-mindedness that we have in believing this is going to be attacked more and more by this world that we are passing through. But please, again, do not be deceived. Don't give in even a little. You can't live in a truce or a peace treaty with the devil. Because if you try that, he will destroy you. There's only one way. When I was growing up in the 70s, some of you are like, what is that? The 1970s, back in the Stone Ages, those T-shirts were popular that had the one-way road sign on it. One way, Jesus. Lisa, we might have to bring those back. I think she's back with the kids. Or One way, one road, and that's it. And here's the, here's the last thing I just want to ask you. Do you believe him? Because when it all comes down to it, it's all about do we believe it or not. I mean, just like the disciples had to come to grips with that around that table that, that evening before the crucifixion the next day when Jesus laid all of this out and he, and he told them directly, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. They had to wrestle with that and come to terms with it and say, do I believe it or not? And if you'll close your eyes for just a moment, I ask you that same question. Do you believe that or not? Because here's what came to me. If, if I truly believe that, 
then I'm going to act on that belief. If I, if I truly believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, then I'm going to build my life on that very belief. And if I, if I really, really, really believe that in my heart of hearts, then I'm going to share that belief with everyone that I can. Folks, I'm telling you this morning, with every ounce of assurance that I have, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. And I say that boldly, and I say that humbly, and I say that with every ounce of, of passion and anointing that I have in me, that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There are no other ways. There are no other roads. So I ask you this as we finish this time of our service. One more time. Do you believe that? In this room and outside of this room, if you if you want to contact us and let us know, you know what, I've struggled with that, but today I choose to believe that. Today I act upon that. Today I grab a hold of that in my own heart and life. And if you're in this room and you say, Pastor, right now, just pray for me. I, I believe that. I, I've struggled with it, but I don't want to struggle anymore. I simply want to believe that Jesus is that. Everything that he said he was. Could you just raise your hands right now in this room if you're saying Pastor, remember me in this closing prayer right now all across this room. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just raise your hands with these that have already lifted theirs and say, Pastor, don't forget me. I need this. This. I need this in my life. I need Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. How many others? Just slip your hands up. Thank you. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. We've prayed this morning as we prepared for our time together. Worship team, production crew, all of us, we always spend a time of prayer before every service. And we prayed specifically as we do each and every weekend that lives would be changed. Lives would be changed today. Our staff that are out of town this week in various locations, they've been praying. They were texting in and letting us know this morning, I'm, I'm praying for miracles to happen. I'm praying for God to change lives. We miss them. But there's been a lot of people praying for you. And a number of you have raised your hand signifying that you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That you are going to the Father through the only way that's available, and that's Jesus himself. Before I pray over us this morning, is there anybody else that would raise a hand and say, Pastor, please don't forget me in this, this prayer right now. I, I pledge my life to him because he gave his life for me. Anyone else that would raise your hand and join these this morning that raised theirs? Yes. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to ask this, if everyone would stand to their feet across this room, whether you raise a hand or not, would you just stand up right now? We're going to pray, and then we're going to worship. And then we're going to leave this place changed people, regardless of whether we raised a hand or not. Our, our faith has been, been reconfirmed this morning. We've been reminded of who Jesus is and what he does for us. And, and I just want to say this right now. If you've lived life far less than the abundant full life that, that he came to bring us, I want to pray for you too in this prayer time. So before you grab hands with anybody beside you, would you, would you just let me know that you need that abundant life? You've been settling for less and that stops today. Would you just raise your hand as well and say, Pastor, remember me this morning. I want to 
I want to get everything God's got for me. Yes, sir. Yes. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes. Thank you. Would you now reach over and take the hand of somebody beside you right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing up as you always do. You're faithful and true. And God, today you are changing hearts and lives. And God, I'm excited. It's not only in this room, it's outside of this room. There are people watching us right now that, Lord, you're doing a mighty work in their lives. The Holy Spirit is right there dealing with them, helping them, encouraging them, filling them, God. And, and same thing with us in this room, Lord. Those who raised their hand and said, I am convinced now that Jesus truly is the way, the truth, and the life, and that I can't get to the Father. I can't get to heaven except through him. And what good news that is. That is eternity. That is life-changing. That is everything. And today, God, I saw at least seven hands go up that said, yes, I need Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life to be all that and so much more to me. And those who just raised their hands and said, God, God, help me. I've been living so far less than where I should be, settling for so far less than what you've made available, God. Lord, I just pray right now that you would light a fire. Help us all to realize that you are the fullness of life that you give us that abundant life, that in you and with you, we have everything, God. Apart from you, we have nothing. You are the great I am. You are our all in all. You are everything. And today we proclaim that with all of our hearts. Today we celebrate you one more time in song. Today we raise this anthem, Lord. This is how we fight our battles. And we are victorious in you and through you. In Jesus, our great King. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.